now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Well, hello once again. It is Pastor Marty and... Tommy D. Tommy D. And listen here, this is take number two. That's right. Most of you would know this, uh, but yesterday we recorded this and got done and I got ready to hit the stop button and looked and it recorded two minutes of our 23-minute conversation. So, And since they'll never know, can I just go ahead and say, I think we're in, in agreement that it might have been the all-time greatest podcast. Oh, it was. It was flawless. It was the best. So it this one, oh, well. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Anyway, we are going back over the message from this past Sunday when we were talking about feeding on the Word of God and as... We grow in our maturity uh, as Christians. One of the things that we need to learn to do is feed ourselves. How many times, Tom, have you heard Christians say, I just don't feel like I'm being fed? Have you ever heard that? Once or twice. Once or twice. A absolutely. And, and it, it, you know, I, I understand where it's coming from. You feel like you're sitting maybe under some teaching that's, Fluff. <laughs> Fluff or whatever. You know, it, it's just not, it's not satisfying. Well, here's the thing. Anytime I've heard that in the past, whether it's about somebody sitting <laughs> I'm under. I'm sure someone yeah. said that about me somewhere well, along the way, more than once. Or, or even if it's somebody that they're talking about, um, a pastor they listen to or whatever, and yeah. they stop for whatever reason on, on the radio or podcast my immediate thought is, I wonder how much they're feeding themselves. Right. But you said it perfect on Sunday that if we're properly feeding ourselves through the week, man, what we do here on Sunday is just like an overflow and a time of connecting yeah. with other believers. It definitely should not be our primary source of food. Right. If anything, you know, if anything, what we do on Sunday is the dessert. Oh, I like that. You like that? Yes, the cherry. I just came up with that one, you yeah. know? You we come just, up with uh, a lot of things in the moment, apparently. <laughs> I do. Most of my good illustrations come in the moment, too. Uh, but 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 that's it. We, we want people to learn to feed themselves. We do believe that one of the um, faith catalysts is practical teaching. So, you know, we want the teaching that happens here on Sundays or Wednesday nights with our student ministry. Uh, we want it to be very practical and and applicable or, or applicable. Applicable. <laughs> yeah, whichever way you want to pronounce that. Um, I was listening to something today, actually a, a podcast, and they used the word applicable. And I was like, well, I go the other route with mine. I go the Louisiana pronunciation. Pronunciation. Louisiana. Louisiana. Man, I was talking to somebody just this past week, and they said, yeah, I was hanging out in Ruston, Louisiana. You oh, probably never yeah. heard of that town. I said, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I know somebody. <laughs> I know somebody from there. But we, taught, we started out talking about kids learning to use a spoon. One of the most stressful things that caused me anxiety is watching grandkids learn to use a spoon uh, for the first time or before they get good at it and more food gets on them that gets in them and it gets all over the high chair and all over their clothes and it's just a messy process it is but it made for a very cute picture on sunday yeah with wild man baker baker man he's he's it's true that kid's all over the place now he's toddling around and he is a live wire that is for sure you know it is one of those things i know it's stressful in the moment but five years from now where 
uh, when every one of your grandkids are feeding themselves, you're going to look back at this time and oh, it, it's going to be great memories. Yeah, for sure. Taking and them to Sweet Frog and that's it. Doing I, making I, their mess. I told you yesterday, my granddaughter just ate for the first time two days ago. Yeah, and, and so watching her try to the difference between sucking um, on a bottle and trying to open her mouth and figure that out to have a spoon go in it was the cutest thing oh man oh my goodness but i'm like you it's got to be like immediate cleanup Clean around the mouth yeah. i can't oh, yeah. i can't deal with it scrape yeah. that food off and yeah. try to put it back in oh but yeah you know one of the things i know is a frustration for you and me and really anybody i think that's trying to feed themselves and grow is we have way too many uh let's say quote and they're not mature but mature Christians, yeah. i.e. they've been Christians for 15, 20 years, and they're still being spoon-fed right. with lots of mess. And that's their only diet. That's it. Their only diet is, who's feeding me? And then they leave or get frustrated because they're not being fed any longer. No, by now you ought to be able to feed yourself. Right. That's what Paul even wrote about. Absolutely. He said, by now you should be eating Yeah, get off the, the milk. Yeah. yeah. It's you time know, to eat some filet. No, long, no longer being bottle fed. That's right. It's time. And so that was the purpose of Sunday was to help equip people to pick up the spoon and feed themselves, which all of us want to see people grow in their relationship with Christ. That is our mission here at Charity, to lead people to do that. And so when you became a f- new follower of Christ, um, you were dependent. You were in a high chair, so to speak. Uh, but we want you to graduate to the big person table. All the grandkids now, they don't want to sit over at the bar or in the high chair. They all want to sit at the big table mm-hmm. with all the adults on Sunday afternoon when the kids come over for lunch. And, you know, they're that's a goal that kids have. They want to mature to that place and be with the big people. Christians ought to be the same way, right? Absolutely. And you you had two words. You had discipleship and disciple making. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously the discipleship um, is the learning mm-hmm. part. And so that takes place for every single person. So even if you're feeding yourself, if we go in there and we sit, you're teaching, well, that's discipleship. I'm yeah. learning. But what you're saying is we're never going to be able to help teach somebody else how to feed themselves disciple making right if we're not uh, growing ourselves as well so yeah, we want to take the teachings that we learn and be able to share those and pass those off to other people that's disciple making and that's what Jesus came to make he came mm-hmm. to make disciples. disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples that's right well, I, the thing that was so cool about this past week is is the practicality of it because I, I'm guilty of this where I'll have the best laid plans maybe at the new year and I'm saying I'm going to read through the Bible in a year or you're a brand new Christian and you start in Genesis. And like mm-hmm. you said, Genesis and Exodus, there's some pretty good epic story, accounts. Good stories in there, yeah. Oh, it's like you're reading a novel. Some great narrative. You're like, this is amazing. Then you get to Leviticus and you're like, ah, I've heard about these rules. Yeah, this is starting to sound <laughs> skim familiar. Read, skim read, yeah. skim read. Deuteronomy and Numbers and it's just like, I'm, off. I'm done. I, Why I'm do done. I need to know how many people were in this particular tribe? Right. You know. Hey, there's always a purpose for all of it. That's right. But boy, it sure is some hard Ooh, reading. It <laughs> is. But but the thing I love is you gave practical tools, three things, the um, observation, observation, interpretation, and application. Yeah. And observation being the key 
to everything. That's yeah. the foundation, right? Context. It is. And, and knowing that when you pick up the word of God, you have the very inspired word of God, meaning that it was breathed out by God. And, you know, talking about Old Testament and, and reading through some of those things, that's part of what we, we look at. We got to know what we're reading because one of the things we say around here, and it's not original with us, I heard it from someone else, all scripture is equally inspired, but not all scripture is equally applicable for every phase of life. Correct. There is a place for the story of David and Bathsheba. Not kids church. But it's not going to be happening in charity kids on Sunday morning to the second graders. That's right. You know, they don't need to know what adultery is, that David looked and he saw a woman bathing and she was naked and he was lusting. They she don't was need in that. the bath and her name was Bathsheba. Bathsheba. It's I so mean, cool. Hello. The, but our teenagers. Yeah. They need to know what kind of dangers. Can they need be. to hear that story about every week. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. You <laughs> and, are. Our, and, and adults as well. Right. Ab- absolutely. So it's all equally applicable or uh, equally inspired. Genesis through Revelation, all the same, but not every part of it is equally applicable. And that's part of what we do when we observe the text and then we interpret the text, and then we apply the text to that. Those Real quick, you um, talking about that, I, I shared with you earlier, uh, based on that, you know, I'm going to be teaching through the Song of Songs and the next Married People Night Out, another thing. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to teach the Song of Songs very often right. in, in children's church. Yeah. Uh, but they were talking about how that's kind of the, the poem of all poems, and one of the things that makes it so brilliant is – a married person can pick that up and read between the lines and it'll make you blush. Yeah. A little kid comes along and picks it up. They don't understand what those pomegranates and no. and, and fruit clusters right. and what is that talking about? Yeah. And it's over their head, yeah. which is kind of a brilliant thing that about is. that book. But but again, like you said, equally inspired, eh, probably not gonna teach it. Not uh, equally applicable. Yeah, not to the kids. <laughs> That's right. But it, but but when it comes to the observation part of a text. That's where a lot of hard hard work goes in. Observation. It is that's where we have to do our due diligence, right? Yeah. You 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 read it, you ask all the questions, who, what, where, when, how, and why, and you ask all of those questions around the text. Get as much information as you possibly can on your own. So probably you need to to do a little research before you go and get Philippians 4.13 tattooed across your back. Is that right. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, probably so. Or as I was troubling with the reference, I, right. I would say 4.13 or 3.14 and uh, memorize both of those passages when I was younger. And But yeah, but you're right. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I'm not going to go in the gym and bench 300 pounds right, right. now. Okay. I probably will never get to 300 pounds, to be honest with you. I think that that chapter has turned for that's, both of us. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm past that. Um, so that's not what that what that means. And so if we if you look at that, um, if you look at the text and you start to make all the observations and you start to see why did Paul write that? Who did he write it to? What was going on around that? And you start asking these questions, then you can go, okay. This is what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about me being able to run a, a, a four-minute mile. He wasn't talking about that. Um, one of the things I love, though, it's, it's you said it's there's always a specific uh, 
audience mm-hmm. every time it's pointing to Jesus, right? So yeah. David and Goliath, you're not David. Your troubles aren't Goliath. Uh, understand the audience, what the context is. Then you can apply the application. Yeah. Even Philippians 4.13, how many times that you know the context, have you referenced that in your own life and said, okay, Paul's talking about, man, I know what it's like to just have, live in abundance. Yeah, I know what that's like. And man, it's kind of nice. But I also know what it's like to not know where my next meal's coming from. But regardless of where I find myself, and he's writing this from from yeah. jail, I'm going to be okay because it's Christ who gives me the strength. How many times have you been going through one of those seasons where you do know the context and you make it applicable to your sure. life? And, and it's just a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a common thread throughout scripture and it's all about Jesus mm-hmm. and it's all about lifting up God and, and his glory. And so when we look at scripture and we get back to that and we've made the proper observation, uh, then we get that, the, the, let's know what the applicate or the, uh, the interpretation is. Cause there's only one, right. One correct one, one correct interpretation. And it's not allegory in most cases. There are places where allegory is okay, but but in most places, it is a literal interpretation of the text that we shoot for. That keeps us from getting all getting straying away. Would you agree that allegory is okay after uh, you said it, at times it's okay, but it's okay only after the proper interpretation has been? Yeah, discovered. I mean, if God uses yeah. a passage. For me, and I'm not misapplying that passage. I mean, I know the story about David and Goliath. I understand that story. I understand about David or Daniel in the lion's den, but I'm not going to go jump in a lion's den. Right. Okay. What I know is that God was God in both of those scenarios, and that's who they were writing about. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm not going to go jump in the fire right. and expect Jesus to show up with me and just deliver me out. That's not... It's improper application. You'd show up to the pearly gates and yeah, then Jesus would be going, Marty, Marty, Hey, Marty. I gave you some sense, boy. Yeah, that's right. But those boys, when they got in there, they were like, hey, we know that he's capable of bringing us out, mm-hmm. but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we're going to be okay. We're going to be all right. And so uh, I just had a scare there. I thought a the flashback <laughs> moment thought the to computer yesterday. stopped recording again, um, but it's not. So yeah, so we worked through that. And then we got down to um, your little, this was another spur of the moment on the fly the night before watching football, the the practical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, so good. Well, thank you. Thank you. Th- these are questions that I've asked before. You know, when, when I'm doing my own Bible study and, and everything else, I'm asking these questions uh, along the way, but it's inspect the text. And when we've done proper observation when we've done proper interpretation and we begin, we get to this place of making application, we ask ourselves, is there a, for the letter S, sin, sin. to avoid, the letter P, the promise to know, the E, example to follow, the C, command to obey, and the T, truth, truth to, to believe. believe. Yep. And, and so we ask those things and that's where we make application. Because all scripture is equally inspired. It's not all equally applicable, but we can make application if we understand the context. When we dip into the Old Testament, we have to be very, very careful that we don't read the Old Testament the same way that we read the New Testament. Mm -hmm. 
We don't read the book of Revelation the same way we read the book of Acts. We don't read the Gospels the same way we read the book of Acts. Uh, You know, when when we look at things like that, and just to give you an example of how you take the book of Acts, which is a historical book in the New Testament, the Acts Acts of the Apostles. Apostles. It's the launching of the church. And we always ask ourselves this question. Is this a descriptive or prescriptive? Yeah. Is is Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is he describing for us only how the church, the early church acted and did things? Or is he prescribing for us to do exactly the way they did? And then we got to get the sense of the text mm-hmm. as well. And so I'm not going to answer that necessarily because I think they're they're all in there. Yeah, I was going to say for me, I think it's kind of both and. Yeah. Broad brush stroking. But I do believe that in that there are specific descriptive moments. Oh, yeah. But as a whole, man, we can definitely learn sure. from that early church. Yeah, there, there's so much to learn. Just the... You know, you look at the you look at the the sense of the text, and you go, the early church cared for one another. Mm-hmm. Well, that described how they did it, but it's also pretty prescriptive because you can look at the, the way that Jesus said, and He said, "This is how people are going to know that you're my disciples." How? If you love one another, you love one another. That's right. Another thing that we have to do is we let Scripture interpret Scripture. Mm-hmm. We don't just take so a. Important. Yeah, you can't just take a, a verse out and sit it over there by itself and make it say what you want it to say if it contradicts another part of Scripture. Mm-hmm. We always let Scripture do its own interpretation where it's where Scripture can interpret it for us. That's right. So we cross-reference. We, we read different things. And so there's two, two types of approaches to that. One of them is called exegesis, and the other one is called eisegesis. Exegesis is where we get the, we draw the truth out of the text. Which is what you're trying to do every week. Every single week. We yeah. want to go to the text and let the, the text speak for itself, dr- drawing the truth out of the text. Cross-reference, all of that. Mm-hmm. Eisegesis means that I have something that I believe, and I want to find something to uh, validate that. Yeah, I'm and gonna... so I can take a verse out of context to do that. Well, and you're going to give a whole a lecture and then you're just going to take one random verse and throw it in so that you say you had some scripture yeah, in your message. Exactly. Ah. I had a I had a professor in college, you just made me think of this, Dr. Sewell. Uh, he said he this was our Bible 101 class, very beginning, and he would say most pastors text for their for their sermon is like the national anthem at a football game. And what he said was... Oh, the scripture part of it? Yeah. Oh, wow. They, they, they read it at the beginning, yep. and there's absolutely no reference for it's it story ever time. again yeah. in the rest of the message. Wow. They're just using it to say, we went to scripture today. No, we want to dig the truth out of that scripture and exhaust all that we can from that. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. And not to read and preach allegorically, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of preachers that just... So. And, and those messages preach. They do. They preach good, you yeah. know. And uh, and I've done some of those. Me too. And you yeah. just you look back on <laughs> it and you is... go, uh, you know. And I said this yesterday when we were talking. But but if I went back ten years, even when I became the pastor of charity about 10, 12 years ago, I would never read. I could just burn those sermons. Right. There's some of those that I would should never preach again. I've just grown in that. Sure. Trying to get better and better at it all along. And uh, you got to be careful when you're listening to to people because 
Hey, there's plenty of preachers out there. And when you're listening to them, we should always validate or test what's being preached against the Word of God. So is this a conscious decision you've made in the last few years? Because I've noticed in the last few years, there's been way more. You just take a text, five, six verses, and that's your sermon. You just work your way through those verses. Is that something you made a a conscientious? I don't know that I've, that it was just one of the, like that kind of thing. I just, I just believe that when we as preachers stay true to, the stay text. true to that, it keeps us from just going off on our own yeah, little tangents and we all have our soapboxes. Sure. You know, I might get on one Sunday, who knows? Yeah. You step onto it and you get on it and you go, but well, that really doesn't have anything to do. But when we tend to trace, trace rabbits or chase rabbits is when we, well, you know, you said, we away. well, you said allegory will preach sometimes and you're right. It will. And sometimes those soapboxes just feel good. They feel good. <laughs> I just they glad just to get that good, off my chest. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and the great thing about a congregation when you, you know, like for us that we're in the same congregation, we've been right. here for years now. If there's one week that I jump on that soapbox, the congregate, our, our body of Christ knows, Hey, that's Marty. Yeah, just that's he'll, Tom. He'll be he just back. Could, he'll be back next week. Yeah, just, next week come back and yep. it, it, you, you know nobody bats a thousand. That's amazing. I love <laughs> so, that. That's so good. But anyway, so that's kind of where we were, and we closed it out with the bottom line: the more we know what God says, the more we'll see as God sees, and the more we see as God sees, the more we'll do as God says, and that is ultimately the goal: obedience, yeah. which, which we'll get to in two weeks. But that just that your bottom line last week was just a picture of maturity. Yeah. Which is the name of the uh, series. Pathway Pathway to Maturity. And this week we're going to be talking about talking, talking to God. Mm. That's really the primary portion of the message is on prayer. Looking at a passage of scripture that I've always had some questions around. Yeah. I'm going to, I can't think of the reference right off the top of my head. Um, Give me just a second and I'll find it. No, nope, I don't know Luke. where it is. <laughs> I don't have it right here. Well, anyway, that's it, definitely it's in a Luke. Cliff, uh, it's in Luke chapter 18. Um, yeah, Luke 18, 1 through 8. The persistent widow. Okay. I've always had a lot of questions around that text hmm. because of some different theological beliefs about do our prayers really work? Oh, this is, you've been challenging the staff. I've been working on you've this You've been one. challenging the staff in our staff meetings. I've been working through this for several, oh, for several weeks now. So here, so <laughs> the question is, are you going to tell the congregation and us where you land? Or are you just going to leave everybody like, huh? oh, I think you'll know. <laughs> okay. I think you'll know. Well, good. So, all right. So we hope to see you on Sunday, 930 or 11. There's a seat here for you and we'd love to see you. Invite somebody to come with you and listen always. Thanks for listening and be sure and share this with somebody. And let's get more listeners. So God bless you. Until next week. Bye-bye.